All right, so I am uh, not in the studio, but uh, over the phone lines with uh, someone who I've been uh, sort of excited to be able to talk to. Um, we've been trying to liaise for a little while, and then COVID-19 <laughs> happened, and so we're, uh, we're just doing this via the phone. But his name is Tim Day. And Tim, can you tell everybody uh, what you do? Because as I mentioned, you, you have a, a number of different titles from what I can understand. So what, what do you do? Yeah, I actually have two primary uh, things that I work on. One is um, working with Christian leaders on the issues. Uh, it's called City Movement. It's a small charity in Canada. And it's part of a global network, uh, movement.org. You can check it out. And it's Christian leaders around the world that are working on how Christians work together more effectively, particularly within city context. Mm-hmm. Um, the church has historically been good at smaller town and rural because that's how the whole world was. But as the world has become increasingly um, metropolitan, a lot of our systems of how we work or how we approach things don't work as well. So there's this growing, it's been going for decades, but it's really been gaining momentum over the last 10 years of how do Christians work together effectively in city context. So I do that in Canada, but I'm also part of a global conversation, one of the global hub leaders, they call them, uh, in that conversation. That's It's a consulting role, essentially. Um, a consultative role. Then the other thing, as a part of that, I'm also a um, kind of a chief advocate or ambassador for a new platform called Waybase. And this is a Canadian-focused platform, but it's being designed globally. And that platform is to support this uh, vision of people working together more effectively. And it's uh, on one side of it, it's an information location tool, which means you're able to find whatever you're looking for in a sector, but more importantly, in the back end, we're aggregating all of the data on the Christian sector into, and also demographic data into an environment where you can see, track, measure the impact of the Christian sector in Canada. And so this is kind of like a business intelligence tool mm-hmm. that um, so far has not been developed for the Christian sector. So we're piloting it in Canada. If it works well, then we'll move uh, to other countries of the world. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, and so that's, that's waybase.com, like W-A-Y-B-A-S-E. That's right. Yeah. It, it's in beta and we were going to do another, last year we did a 30 city tour across Canada, introducing it and testing the idea and then started to build it. We we're going to do another 30 city tour this year, but because of COVID-19, obviously had to postpone that. So we're continuing to build and we plan to do most of our major releases next fall and just working with our national partners and partners in cities as we build it, as you do in a beta. A big data platform is a lot different than a typical like social platform because social platform, all of your data comes as people join in and kind of participate. Where in this context, you're actually building a data infrastructure for what's already online and organizing it so that when people come in, they can quickly access kind of an enriched data environment. So we work with data cleaning company in, in uh, Malawi and uh, with data cleaners in the Philippines. Yeah. So it's a, it's a kind of a wild project. Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds great. I mean, I think it makes me think about uh, like Barna uh, in the States, you know, just that you, you need uh, statistics uh, even in, in church contexts in order to, to do ministry better, you know, if you will. So, so that's, that's great that you guys. Yeah. Are, yeah. Kind of another comparison would be realtor.ca where you, it organizes all the data of what's online, but the real estate agents then get uh, this enriched data environment in terms of what activity is taking place in real estate sales and rentals. So anyways, 
it's a it's a fun project. Yeah, and and city movement, I'm not as familiar with just because uh, I've only been in Canada since September, but I'm very familiar with Movement Day, sort of the larger you know hub, if you will. That's um, right. And and when I was in in Michigan, <coughs> uh, I was able to go to Movement Day in New York um, for two years in a row, and just uh, man, it, it's like a really great movement. Uh, just for for trying to kind of kind of mobilize the global church, uh, but in like you said in in various cities across the world, um, for the church to be the church, and so nonprofit sector, um, you know, local church pastors, um, people in you know sort of the uh, marketplace, um, all coming together under the banner of Christ, uh, but 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 hitting at uh, issues from from their particular you know area of expertise. Yeah, that's right, and and in. Uh, there's about 300 cities that are a part of this, and, and some cities in Canada have um, ministries that are funded and operating this way. Uh, One Way Ministry in Ottawa, Christian Direction in Montreal, uh, True Cities in Hamilton. Uh, there's a variety that uh, are actually funded ministries with staff that are there to resource, and movement.org networks these globally. Now, the piece that we're working on in Canada is to actually add uh, a data-driven platform to the events and to these ministries so that people can have better, basically better awareness and better um, ability to quantify what the church is doing, but also highlight strategic initiatives and needs in the city, and then be able to build kind of an online strategy to how ministries coordinate for a major issue in their city, which could be mental health or homelessness, uh, or it could be a larger kind of campaign. Let's say Alpha Campaign ran in Toronto and uh, had all sorts of advertising, but only, you know, about 15% of the churches were, or 20% of churches were actually aware of that campaign Mm -hmm. because there's no way to organize the data and communicate that broadly, uh, effectively. So, uh, on these kind of issues that are larger than any one ministry or any one network in a city, um, a platform really helps kind of push that knowledge out and allow engagement in a much more comprehensive way. So anyways, that's the part that we're working on in Canada. And, uh, and so anyways, it's, uh, yeah, it's part of this global movement. If you know Movement Day, uh, City to City with Tim Keller's group has been a part of that. Mm-hmm. And um, Global Leadership Network and alpha it's a great collaboration really right across the the world yeah you know uh i'm reminded of you know in scripture it talks about uh you know the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few and and i think for for movement day's response uh while that scripture is true the the reality is that sometimes there are a, a lot of workers who are doing great work but they're they're disconnected you know they they one one organization doesn't know what the other one's doing and so like you said if you can rally around having the knowledge about a particular issue or set of issues and everybody can kind of do from, from their particular area, uh, do their part to kind of move that issue forward. Then that's, that's a great thing. You know, that's a win for, for the body of Christ and for, you know, a a society. I think if you combine John 17, you know, Jesus prayer for unity that the world may know. Mm -hmm. And, and Ephesians four, where it talks about the body of Christ and how you have this, this, the diversity of leadership that is meant to equip and empower the church to work together effectively, like a body, you know. I think unity and um, effective impact or coordinated impact, whatever you want to say it, those things are kind of, you can't, 
you can't separate them. They have to go together. And I think one of the challenges that we, well, one of the opportunities, maybe I should say this, coming back to COVID-19, what we're experiencing right now, one of the opportunities of COVID-19 is in our vulnerability, we realize in a much more tangible way we need each other. And we have to work together in this moment. And in that kind of working together, you kind of remind like, wow, this is actually a good thing when we work together, when we're not polarized and divided and kind of picking issues to divide over. Mm-hmm. But when we have something greater that rallies us together and we work together, also, that's, that's a healthier way of being. That's where the church, we're also seeing it in countries working together and even political parties. We've come out of a, a time of a lot of political kind of ideological division and, you know, almost name calling, right? Mm-hmm. And you're seeing people work together in, in new ways. So I do think, yeah, what you just said is really true. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, but those few workers really need to be unified, right? <laughs> and that that's our opportunity right now is to improve that. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that totally makes sense. You know, it's, you know, you, you want people to work hard, uh, as we all do, but also to work smarter, you know, to, to kind of use the, the few resources that we all have and uh, make a greater impact, uh, like you said, by by working together and collaborating, because that's a, a great picture of, of the body of Christ for sure. Um, so, so just switching gears a little bit, you, uh, you served for a number of years, um, as a senior pastor at the meeting house. Tell me a little bit about that again. I'm, I'm new to Canada, so I'm still trying to figure some of these things out. Yeah. The meeting house was one of, um, uh, started out as a single church in Oakville, Ontario. And when I joined the team, we were meeting in a high school, kind of packed it out. This is before multi-site was a thing. Mm-hmm. and uh, we ended up having people driving a distance and sitting in our overflow in the high school, which was like in a cheap teacher's lounge <laughs> and watching on video. And they're like, Hey, we're driving, you know, 35 minutes every day, or every Sunday to watch this in overflow. And we were really home church focused, which is like a house church. Mm-hmm. A lot of our discipleship happened in home church and being very active that way. So they're like, <clears throat> just give us the video. We'll watch it in Hamilton. And then we'll save, you know, it's better for the environment and save us all this time because all we're doing is driving out there to sit there and watch it and overflow. Mm. And the church leadership, and <clears throat> I remember, thought it was a bad idea. You know, nobody, that's not going to work. Nobody's going to want to watch it in a video, et cetera, et cetera. And, but then because of the complaining and different people talking, it's like, okay, we'll just do that until we can find a better facility that's larger and then we can get everybody back together. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like an interim strategy just to kind of prove it didn't work. Anyway, it, it kind of backfired on us because <laughs> it did work. The group doubled and then a group from the other direction, Toronto, are like, why does Hamilton get a site and we don't get a site and all this sort of stuff. So then we're like, okay, we reorganized your strategy to actually say, let's, let's try to organize our church to be close and accessible to everybody versus trying to get everybody into one location and one part of this urban suburban sprawl. And what we realized in that time is that large urban suburban areas are wide distributed networks of relationships. Mm-hmm. And if you only focus on one single location as the, the single source of community, it really makes it hard for people across that widely dispersed network to participate. Or if you engineer the church, whether it's through small groups or through multi-site or through a network of ministries to 
the access all across that region, it makes it easier for participation, participation, because that's how the relationships work. And so anyways, what's emerged, and you've seen this now in many churches that have multi-site or have different networks or have small groups, you know, small groups spread out uh, over regions is, um, you know, that's kind of, I think, the part of the rationale for it. So that's, that's what we did. And it, I was there for uh, 14 years and started with one location. By the time we ended, we were at 16 locations. I think they're at 18 now. And that goes from right across Ontario from, you know, uh, if you know the Ontario landscape from Ottawa to London, as you know, as far north as Perry Sound, which is a small town and pretty much covered central Ontario in, um, you know, in our network of sites and home churches. Hmm. So that was, uh, that was a fun journey. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of twists and turns that, that came with that, you know, in terms of responding to, to that need. And, you know, at, at the very least, I think, you know, COVID-19 hopefully will help the church uh, become maybe more innovative, you know, in terms of really some of these, these factors that you're talking about, how do we, uh, consolidate our resources in such a way that you can reach different demographics of people um, and using technology maybe as one of the mechanisms to do that. Yeah, and and I think that um, I just posted a very short video, actually, I'm going to post it today just on this point. Uh, the church historically has grown because we've been willing to adapt mm-hmm. and uh, continue to innovate. And because we're really message focused and mission focused, we're not institutionally focused mm-hmm. in terms of our mandate. Uh, we're a community that's on mission and has a message we want to share. And so we've always been adapting. Now, at any point in time, you might think, well, we're kind of traditionalist. You know, we don't adapt quickly, but we're we're so big and diverse that, you know, really, if you give a fair look at the history of the church, the church has been very adaptive. And I think COVID-19 is going to push us again to be more effective online mm-hmm. in term not in terms of like social media like a lot of times how churches use and if i can say this a little bit critical they use social media the way influencers or celebrities use social media which is to draw attention to themselves and it's easy to be like that's how that's what the world of online is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. is to try to be noticed but really um the opportunity online in business is to be effective day in and day out on doing your business, okay? Mm -hmm. It's about accomplishing your work. And I think that's where the church has an opportunity to grow is to use these new communication tools to be more effective on our mission, more strategic, more measured, uh, and and to optimize every every day's engagement in terms of doing our work as Christ followers. Uh, Back when um, the TV was invented, television was invented, the first thing that most people, a lot of people did was actually just turn radio shows into television shows. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. Jimmy Fallon, even today, is, is basically a radio show that's broadcast. It's, it's very similar to what radio shows used to be. And um, <clears throat> that's a lot of times what happens. The new technology comes out. People take what they've always done and just put it on the new technology. And they don't really think through the new medium. They just do what they've always done. And I think the opportunity for the church right now is to not just kind of do what we've always done in our gatherings and then like stream them online or just post them online. But it's actually to think through the medium and say, how can the church use these new online tools to mobilize ourselves to accomplish the mission of Jesus in a very action-oriented way? 
And I think that's what COVID-19 is, is kind of forcing the church to do, is to innovate and to say, hey, we can't get together. How do we do meaningful, action-oriented, advance the mission of Jesus with these tools? When we go back to our communities, hopefully we'll be stronger, we'll be better positioned for the future. Yeah, no, I, I can amen that. I think, you know, part of my, uh, I, I guess maybe frustration, I could say, um, with people responding to COVID-19 in, in Christian circles is, you know, it's like one Sunday, it's at least what it started out with, you know, we're a couple Sundays into, into it now, but one Sunday that you, you can't, because it's not wise given the, the guidelines to, you can't worship, you know, physically, person to person, face to face. Uh, it seemed like some people were, were literally having heart failure, you know, like, oh my goodness, we, we can't, we can't worship. Um, you know, it's not that we can't worship. We're just not able to worship traditionally as we're accustomed to in our very westernized privilege, you know, sort of context. Um, <laughs> and I, and I think right. the, the reality is that, you know, uh, people don't want to say it, but I'll, I'll say it. The, the reality is that some people, they, they, they ain't been going to church anyway, you know? Um, but, right. but in light of COVID-19 that somehow they're like, Oh my goodness, like this is going to affect my life. And I'm like, you, you, you're not serving at your church probably anyway, you know, et cetera. There's all these, all these different iterations. Um, but, but for sure, I mean, there's a, a, a disconnect, there's cognitive dissonance that happens you know, when you can't uh, do the things that you're accustomed to doing, to, to, to being able to do. But to your point, the church has always uh, responded and always had to innovate and, and be creative about how we can how we can accomplish the work that God has called us to in a world that is constantly changing anyway. And so this is just another one of a, a sub-series of issues that the church is going to have to respond to in a way that, you know, how can we respond in ways that are responsible, um, that, that aren't, you know, rooted in fear and frenzy, but that are, you know, us being good stewards of, of the gift that God has given us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, I think we are learning something right now during this pandemic. It, it's actually, if we can seize the moment, it's one of the greatest wake-up moments we can have. Yeah, yeah. And, and a re-engineer ourselves, like, a crisis is a really good time to re-engineer the very core of like, am I really doing what I should be doing? Mm -hmm. And are we working together the way we should be working together? And, and I think, you know, like a community effect, you know, a crisis hits the community. What happens in that community? We've never rallied together before the way that we have now that we've had this crisis. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an opportunity for the church to, you know, potentially even really ask the question, can we heal some old century old wounds of division? Mm. And things where we've in our kind of wealth and prosperity and our, you know, hanging on to past hurts and all the rest of it, our judgments, our pride over our theologies and all that stuff. Can we, you know, is God kind of rattling us saying, can we let that stuff go and actually have a change of heart, a change of mind, heal some of those things, repent of some of that pride and get back to learning how to work together? Yes, will we be diverse? Yes, that was what Pentecost was all about, right? Mm -hmm. All different languages, all different cultures, very diverse. Maybe not seeing things the same way. My goodness, I grew up in a family. I, me and my sisters don't see things the same way. <laughs> but we still love each other, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, we have difference of opinions for sure. But fundamentally, are we more united than divided? Are we more on mission together than, you know, doing our own independent missions? And I think if Jesus, you know, Jesus is our Lord, in this moment, um, maybe this is a wake up call for the church. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so, you know, you, uh, uh, have been in Ontario, correct? 
Yeah. Okay. So is is that where you're from? Like, is that are you from Ontario, or have you lived different places? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in the Niagara area, which is not far from Niagara Falls, okay. and um, small town, very very small little town, and kind of a uh, kind of a country setting where I grew up, and then. Um, went to the States for my undergraduate, Messiah College, which is uh, similar to Trinity Western, mm-hmm. uh, kind of in that same uh, group, did my BA there and did some uh, studies uh, internationally there and uh, in the U.S., a couple different cities, but mainly anchored out of uh, that college campus. And then came back to Toronto area and did my master's degree, lived in Toronto pretty much most of my life. I planted a church in eastern Ontario. Uh, for seven years and worked out there and kind of, and also did a bit of a city movement out there in Eastern Ontario before moving back to the eating house. So primarily in Ontario, but I did have three uh, fun years in the U S and have some family members that live in the U S. So, um, have connections there. Yeah. And you're, you're married and you have, uh, is it three kids? That's right. Uh, two in college and one in high school. Okay. What's that like? Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's, uh, we have a great family context. My wife works with autistic, uh, children Mm. and with their families. Uh, she's a senior therapist at a clinic here and works with the workers that work with the children and then works a lot with building programs, stuff like that. And then I have two children that are both in creative industries. One's at Ryerson, another one's at Sheridan. She's in illustration, and my son's in creative industry, which gets him into music and film and television. And I have one in high school. We have a great time together. And you say, "What's it like?" Uh, I will say this for all, all the, the kind of aspiring young adults that are going to be getting married and having families, and that is, um, uh, family relationships are very similar to other types of things where, you know, you get out what you invest, and if you invest well, uh, you will get a positive return. Um, now, one other tip I would say is when raising children, uh, you know, realize that they are independent, you know, little creatures created in God's image, and they are each unique, and they each need to, um, you know, there's this balance between raising children with the realities of this world that they have to fit into and find their place in. And so they have to run into some walls and know that, you know, they're not in control of everything because that's Mm. not how the world works, but also that they do have a a voice and a purpose um, that needs to be nurtured and they need to be able to spread their wings as they grow. And the role of the parent is to be wise enough to, to know, know their child well enough to figure out when is those moments where they need to, encounter a responsibility or an obligation or something that they have to grapple with and own that they don't control. And then what's the place where they can spread out and do some experimentation and be curious. Mm-hmm. And so good parenting is not to give your child everything, nor is it like give your child nothing and they have to be like always doing what you tell us that balance. Mm-hmm. So we've really worked at that with our kids and been uh, as a result of putting a lot of time and effort into learning about what it means to be a good parent investing. We have a great relationship now. Now we're locked in the house. We're really being tested in it. We're, <laughs> we're three weeks into lockdown, five of us, mm. and we still are having a great time. We're doing a thousand piece puzzle together and watching shows and meals and we're not killing each other. So, Hey, that's, that's, that's a, a, that's a victory right there for the kingdom of God. Yeah. <laughs> right there. <laughs> we go for a walk, you know, yeah. so I'm like, 
I think I, I think I'm getting a passing grade. I feel awesome as a parent that we can survive this time together and still love each other. Yeah. I think, you know, as, as much as, uh, of course, none of us wish that, that COVID-19 would, would be upon us right now. Um, it is an opportunity, uh, for families to, to reinvest, if you will, in, in themselves, you know, to, to really, um, galvanize themselves as a, as a family unit and, and really reflect on what, what matters most, you know, and, and, you know, money matters, you know, we all have to work and make a living. Um, you know, people, you're in school, you're a full-time student, that that's your, your kind of gig. I mean, we all have our particular areas. Um, but, but this is a, a great time you could say in a certain sense to really, yeah, really let God recalibrate in your heart and in your life, um, how you live and towards what end. And so, you know, it's a, it's a great thing for, for families to have this precious time together, you know, to be able to, to build upon that. Yeah, there's this great quote from uh, Tale of Two Cities, you know, it opens up as the best of times, so it was the worst of times. And, you know, in these types of moments, yeah, we can experience both, can't we? Mm. That in one sense, this type of pandemic is something you'd never wish. But yet in the midst of this crisis, there's dynamics unleashed that you're like, wow, these are incredible moments to grab hold of. Mm. And uh, yeah, you're right, to reinvest in those relationships whether it's family relationships or close friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A real opportunity. Yeah. Well, Tim, thanks for, for hanging out with us a little bit this morning. Um, if you wouldn't thanks, mind, man. yeah, no problem. If you, if you wouldn't mind, could you just close us in prayer? Yeah, of course. Uh, God, as we just wrap up this podcast, we want to turn our attention back to you and, um, just affirm again, God, uh, how grateful we are for your love and ownership of our lives and that regardless of where we find ourselves, whether we come from a place of comfort or a great struggle, whether we've had an amazing upbringing or a very difficult upbringing, Mm -hmm. that the thing that we all share in is that you are a good God. You love us, you own us, and you've claimed us. I think of what Paul wrote in Romans, um, God, that you've not given us a spirit that makes us slaves again to fear, but a spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. And God, in this world where we're right now experiencing this pandemic, it's very easy to feel that fear creep into our lives. Um, But God, we don't have to be a slave to that fear. We don't have to be in bondage to that fear. Um, Because you've claimed us as your own, and we can say, you're our Abba, you're our Father. You're our loving parent who will take care of us. And you'll lead us through this time. So, God, as we talk about kind of my own journey, the opportunities where I've had to to serve you and to see your faithfulness, as James and I have interacted, and there's um, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that will at some point listen to this, a little conversation we had. But, God, I pray for every person listening here that they would encounter you today and be reminded again today of your deep love for their lives, the opportunities that you want to unfold for them, and God, the invitation that you have for each one that's listening here to partner with you to be a part of changing this world in the name of Jesus for good, for health, for healing. And God, as we think about this pandemic uh, that's going on, as painful as it and how much suffering there is, God, may we also see the opportunities to demonstrate compassion, to demonstrate care, and to rework some of those things in our lives that are out of line, that this crisis would wake us up to the opportunities of this moment. Um, to grow through this and to become the people you want us to be. Thank you for James, for his investment in this community, for his leadership, 
And God, may you continue to use him as a catalyst for spiritual growth in this amazing community we call Trinity Western. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Tim, it was a pleasure. I uh, look forward to, to chatting with you some more. Sounds great. Have a great day, James. All right. Thanks so much. 